Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastel Podcast on a Wednesday. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, along with Chris Trevino, sitting right over there. Uh, if you're listening on the Parastel Podcast feed, thanks very much. And if you're watching on YouTube, uh, our little tunnel vision version, our simulcast of the Parastel Podcast, we appreciate that as well. Wherever you are, you can like and subscribe to the Parastel Podcast or Tunnel Vision or our YouTube channel. You want to smash that like button? Don't just hit it once though, because if you hit it too many times, Chris, it'll unlike. It'll it. unlike. So we, you want to smash it, which our buddy or Chip Patterson end on says. a smash. Yeah, you, you can or hit a few times, whatever you want. But we want that end up as a smash. like. Uh, subscribe on the podcast feed and all of that. That helps. Tell your friends who are USC football fans. Uh, they want to know what's going on with the team. We do these year round. Uh, my mom was in town last week, so we didn't do a show. Chris was uh, holding down the fort with the two star. Uh, Recruiting Composite Podcast, and uh, he does a great job with that. Those have been really popular. They're going to record one a little bit later today. But today, we got a lot of stuff to talk about in the USC world, but I do want to welcome in uh, my co-host for the show, Chris Trevito. What's up, Chris? Sorry, I'm talking to sources, so I'm just just live, so you can't, you can see me, so I'm just like, I'm just dancing around a little bit, so sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. I feel like you just introduced me, so I'm Chris Trevino. What's up? We took a break. We're back. Uh, ready to get back into it. Uh, we had some people hit us up, like, when's the next podcast? So the next podcast is now. So trying to deliver you that sweet, sweet uh, podcast content. We're trying. Uh, we're trying our very best to do that. And uh, if you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. You can also call or text us. Uh, we got a text message. We got a voicemail today. Keep the voicemails brief if you can. And we got a funny one today, uh, 424 254 9141 uh, is the number. And I mentioned if you're listening uh, on the Apple Podcasting app, if you uh, follow us, which is subscribing to us, and leave us a five star review, that does really help to uh, grow the show. And uh, we are, we're just going to move on from there. We got a lot of different topics to talk to before we jump into all that. Wanted to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's, who have been great to us over the years. Um, it was over there, Chris. I went a couple of times. My mom was in town. My mom walked over to Trader Joe's because it's in Hermosa, picked up a bunch of different things. I love those, uh, the pretzels that have the uh, peanut butter in the middle. I don't know who ever thought of this. It's brilliant. I love pretzels. I love peanut butter. Uh, you put them together. Uh, those are a great snack. We bought, we put together a bunch of cheese and some like slices of like salami and stuff uh, to make a little charcuterie board. We brought it to the desert over the weekend. So we fancy had all word. our, I'm sorry. Fancy word. Very fancy word. So we brought all our, uh, our fancy stuff uh, from Trader Joe's, which was 
was a lot of fun. Um, we love uh, we love going to Trader Joe's. I like the. Are you? We talk about the mimosa thing. Are you a mimosa guy? I think we've. Yeah, we've dabbled it because about brunch and stuff. I yeah. just want the waffles. I'll have the mimosa, but I just want the waffles. Gotcha. We, we, we talked about it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, but you can buy the prosecco over there. It's like fourteen bucks. They have uh, some pretty good pineapple juice. I'm more of a pineapple guy. So got a whole bunch of stuff from Trader Joe's when my mom was in town. So thanks again uh, for them uh, sponsoring that. Uh, hey, Chris, speaker to waffles. Drove back from the desert with mom. I don't know if you've ever been. You're down in the LBC, and I think Snoop Dogg's a big fan of this. Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Oh, you went to Roscoe's? Not a sponsor. It could be. You just want to talk about Roscoe's. Have you ever been before? Yeah, yeah. Must been have been a, a bunch of times. Okay. Yeah, I love going. My, my mom actually mentioned it. I'm like... We could stop by on the way back. We went to the one in Inglewood. And uh, it's tough because there's like a Randy's Donuts and a Roscoe's like within it's a couple of a heart attack block. I mean, I was like, I can't get both. Can you? I think I've done it before once. but Oh, you can. I'm sure you did. I feel like you're being <laughs> monished right now. I have a big sweet tooth. Yeah, but those waffles are really good. The fried chicken's really good. I get I the know. Obama special. Do you? So you go with the wings. I go with the wings. It's just less intimidating than a giant like breast or it's just a lot of chicken and and i just like i just like the perfect balance of those three wings with the single waffle it just feels that's enough chicken to waffle ratio and it always ends up being perfect so that's what i that's what i get nice uh i usually get the the sco special which is the number one which is basically you know quarter chicken two waffles with like an ice cream scoop of butter It's You're so making good. me hungry. I know. It's uh, really good. I just had some poke. I got a my, <laughs> more non non-sponsored, my just pokey this t-shirt on. This is just on. a food, food heavy show right I now. I walk into off just poke jump. here in Redondo. It's like right down the street. And I have their t-shirt. Again, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. They could be because <laughs> I eat there a lot. And they're like, oh, great shirt, dude. I'm like, oh, thanks. Uh, I love the Hawaiian food stuff. Anyway, let's get into the show because we have some. Yeah, we have some breaking news. So the as, NCAA, it, as I was driving in here, yeah, hit. Um, yeah, I just saw this. So this is kind of good content for us because it can be kind of the main thing of the show. So the Pac-12 announces a change to the football championship game format. So the release came out today, Wednesday, May 18th. And I'm going to give credit because the first tweets about the NCAA backing off on the requirement, essentially what this was is they said, hey, you want to do a championship game? You got to have divisions. And split things up. And so you can't just have like 10 teams and then you're picking. You know, so they made the rules. So you have to have a championship game with the divisions. Once teams got bigger than 12 and 14 and stuff, it makes things a little complicated. The Big 12 has 10. So they allowed, uh, if you do a round robin format, like the Pac-12 originally had when you, with just 10 teams and you play everybody, which that's a round robin, then you could do a championship game with the two best um percentage, you know, records as far as that goes. So the top two teams there. So you could do that. Well, now people are worried about, well, hey, you're going to make the playoffs going to expand. You want to make sure the best teams are playing in your championship game. You don't want a situation where, you know, I think it was, it was like a seven and five UCLA team played, I think Oregon or something in the in the championship game. I think it was the year USC couldn't go. And what it's if not you a, Not a great resume point right. when you're trying to look as sexy as you can for the for the playoff committee. Right. So what if UCLA beats Oregon and then you have an eight and five team? They're not going to make the playoff, right? Or where they would get an automatic bid or whatever it was. So you want to have your best teams in there. So I'm going to give George Klyovkov and the Pac-12 credit because they were basically 
they had everything. Like when we have, when we know our recruit a commits coming and we have all the stories ready, George Klafkoff had everything ready. Like as soon as this was announced, boom, Pac-12 is changing the format. So uh, the releases, the Pac-12 conference announced a change to how it will determine the teams that qualify for the Pac-12 championship game. Um, starting in 2022, so this isn't next year. And I, the first couple of tweets I saw, Chris, were like, starting 2023, you're going to start to see championship games change. Nope. Pac-12 says, we're doing it this year. The two teams with the highest conference winning percentage will face off in the championship game. The weird part is the change would have resulted in a different Pac-12 championship matchup in five of the past 11 years. So about half of the time, this changes who would play in the championship game? So this is not an insignificant move, Chris. No, I mean, there's you could look back at the list. I'm sure you have the list up, but there's lots of changes that would have happened, and two specifically that would have sort of altered uh, USC's uh, Pac-12 championship uh, berths over the past couple of years. Obviously, the 2015 one would be the most significant. Under these new rulings, USC would not have been playing in that uh, Pac-12 championship. It would have been Oregon. Is that is that correct? Yeah, so in 20, uh, 2015, I think it would have been Oregon. Am I? Am I no, yeah, it would Oregon. have been. Yeah, USC was number um, USC was number twenty, and Oregon was number sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. So it would. Uh, you know, the way it was is Stanford number seven versus number twenty USC. In the the new for now, the way they're going to do it going forward, it would have been Stanford and Oregon, two teams from the same division plan. And then the other one that would have affected USC was. Uh, when USC won in 2020, when they won the division, they actually would have played 2020 Colorado. season. Yeah, so the 2020 season, 2020 season which was the COVID season, uh, they didn't get to play Colorado because of COVID, and Colorado actually had the better record. Um, and, and so they didn't get to play Colorado, but then Colorado lost the game. USC was going to go, but it would have been USC and Colorado. Colorado was number 25 at the time, and Washington got in because Oregon should have been in. I'm sorry, no, Washington, Washington won, and they Oregon, couldn't play. That was a whole hodgepodge of chaos. Washington obviously had their COVID issues. Oregon stepped in and then sort of waxed USC in that uh, that championship game. And it was just like a really weird season. I know a lot of people like try to forget that season or whatever. But nonetheless, what would have happened if you know USC played? That Colorado game actually would have happened in a Pac-12 championship setting. Like what would have been the outcome? Could they have won the Pac-12 championship in 2020? Would Colorado would continue that uh would you say breakout season and sort yeah. of pull the upset? I don't know. A lot a lot of things, a lot of moving and changing parts that would have happened if this was, you know, a uh a rule that had happened say five years ago or six years ago, or whatever. Yeah, that was a weird year because USC could have had like three different opponents, right? It was supposed to be Washington, then it ended up being Oregon. This new rule would have made it Colorado. Um there's some interesting ones. Like I mentioned the UCLA one. So 2011, when USC wasn't eligible, UCLA was in against Oregon. It would have been Stanford um, against Oregon. Stanford was actually number four at the time. So that would have been a really good example where you had two top 10 Pac-12 teams that weren't going to get the rematch. Um, but in 2011, they would have. Um, UCLA was only in, to, they've been in the, the conference championship game twice, 2011, 2012. Under the new rule, they wouldn't have been in there either time. So they would have been eliminated both times. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and it would have been Oregon versus Stanford, those 2011 and 2012, uh, both of those times. And then 2015, it would have been Stanford and Oregon again. So that comes up. The, the funny one, 2018, it would have been 
it was Utah and Washington, it would have been an Apple Cup rematch, uh, Washington and Washington State. So some interesting ones. Um, I mean, the fact that five of the 11 championship games would have been changed, uh, that's, a, you know, that's a significant uh, move from the Pac-12. I think it's just going to be interesting because now they are officially the second Power 5 team that does not have divisions along with the the Big 12. Obviously, they only have, what, 10 teams in their in their conference? Yeah. So it's an interesting move. It does add a little bit more, I would say, a little bit more excitement uh, to the race just because, you know, it's just like it, it's anyone's game. It's the top two. Get to the top. You don't have to really necessarily worry about the divisions, obviously. And, you know, it kind of takes some pressure off of those big what were we considered those big interdivision games, you know. Every year we talked about going to the season how the Utah game is usually sort of the make or break uh, for USC during the uh, division division schedule. So now if you lose to Utah, it's not the end-all be-all because, again, just the top two, best winning percentage. You still have a shot even if you take you know a loss to Utah or maybe to uh, – I, I usually you go Arizona State because they've been surging, but now it's like They're all, garbage, all the yeah. way in the dumpster fire. I don't even know who my second team is, Stanford. Is Stanford kind of my second sneaky team? For, I don't know. For 2022? Yeah, I guess. Sneaky like what's close to the bottom. No, they're <laughs> awful. Like so so but you bring up a good point because um people are like, "Hey, can USC win the Pac-12?" It's like, "Well, you got to win the division and Utah's the best team in the conference. Uh they you know waxed Oregon twice last year. They get just about everybody back. Um Cam Rising is a star. We you know you saw him on the Coliseum field. He just you know he went absolutely crazy. Um, so yeah, that, so I think Utah is the team that you want to beat. USC, USC has to play Utah in Salt Lake City this year, so you could see them going from four and eight to you know nine and three or something, but not winning the division because Utah is in it. And the Pac-12 North is a little bit more of a mess. Uh, the, you know, the two, you know, whatever better. Pro- I mean, Washington was bad last year. They fire their coach. They bring in Kalen DeBoer. That you know, you got. You know, they're going to be making some changes there. Obviously, Oregon they made you know they bring in uh, Dan Lanning. We we like to call him Land Danning on the uh, podcast of champions, but Land Danning it just kind of sounds cool. Uh, I mean, you got Bo Nix coming in as transfer quarterback. It's not like you know they still have a really talented roster, but you know there's questions there too. Washington State made a change at their quarterback. I like I think they could be sneaky good. They would be my sneaky team probably in the North. Oregon State busted through last year, got seven and five. You know, went to a bowl game for the first time in like, you know, a century or whatever it was. Not that long, but a long time. Uh, you know, Jonathan Smith in his fifth year. But, you know, they seem kind of like a seven and five sort of team parentally. You know, this could be a thing where and Stanford's going to be terrible. We'll see where Cal does. Like they they missed out on a bowl last year. They should have made a bowl, but they had the COVID game against Arizona. But there's no one that's like standing out as like, wow, that team's going to be really good. So this could be a year where maybe it's Utah. And maybe it's USC with the two best. And even if USC loses on the road to Utah and Salt Lake City, they end up 10 and 2 or something. And they have a, you know, they're the number two team. Like Utah's 11 and 1, USC's 10 and 2. And maybe Oregon's like 9 and 3, USC's going to the championship game. So I, I think that's a actually plausible scenario. USC has the, their own things to fix, but the way they're turning over the roster, there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of optimism there that they can come up and maybe not get Utah in year one, but they could, you know, in year two or three. But now that you don't have to worry about your, you know, the best team in the conference is in your division, you could easily be the second best team in the in the conference. 
and get a shot at Utah playing them in Las Vegas for the championship game. You just like how it's lining up for USC in 2022 with Lincoln Riley first year, all the changes, new talent coming in, new schemes, this new uh, schedule division shakeup. It, it bodes well. It just gives USC another point of uh, emphasis when people are going to you know hype them up for, for this season. Like, hey, Utah game, you can get by. The, you, can, you can take a loss there and still make it up to the Pac-12 championship. So just a lot more, I would say, momentum for the 2022 season. And this is sort of an off question, Ryan, but yeah. famously, let's say this, this rule change had happened four years ago or something like that. What would Clay Helton have said in his famous line, you know, we got to win the Pac-12 South? What would he have said? We just got to get the second best win percentage? Like, what 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 does he say at that point? Yeah, that's what's a good what's point. the what's the line there? I don't know. I know. Real quick though, on the so if USC does go and lose to Utah in Salt Lake City, the rematch would be a in a neutral site, uh, Las Vegas. Now sure. I, I went to the game this past year and uh, they they packed the place. I mean, it was like a home game for Utah. So I, I think a lot of USC fans would go, but um, you know that's definitely the case. Your point about like yeah, Clay Hilton talked about championships and was always very vague. And people are like, are you talking about national championships? Are you talking about Pac-12 South championships? And that goes goes away. And that if and I think Stuart Mandel tweeted this out uh, from the Athletic. One of the the negatives about this is there was something to play for. Uh, if you remember, like Utah came into the Pac-12 and sort of like the goal is, hey, you want to try to win the division? Colorado won it early. Uh, Missouri joins the SEC and wins the the East a couple of times. I think their first couple of times in there when Georgia wasn't as good and Florida, they, those teams weren't as good. That's something, you know, like for Missouri to be like, Hey, we're the SEC, you know, we're SEC division champions a couple of times. Uh, that means something. Uh, when Colorado, I mean, they pretty much had crap, 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 win the division, crap, crap, crap. You know, they, that was something that they won the division uh, with Colorado. Let's see that year was, uh, they won the division in 2016. Okay, they would have still been in the championship game. Um, they they played, you know, they were a top 10 team, number nine. They played Washington. So, I mean, I don't know. You're like, hey, we made the, the conference title game. I, I guess, I don't know if that's a little different than we're like division champs or whatever. Right. No, it definitely like diminishes that, especially if you come in second, you don't get to claim, you know, yeah. you don't get to claim that we won a division. I don't think. Do they give rings for the Pac-12 South? No, I don't. Right? I don't think, think so. So you shouldn't. Maybe get a hat. You don't get a hat. You don't get a hat, Ryan. You don't get a hat and a T-shirt that says Pac-12 South 2023 or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it does diminish it a little bit, but you know, you're still getting a shot if you if you if you do what you're supposed to do. You're going to play for a championship. So yeah. I think I think a lot more people would care more about that than sort of you know the title of division champs, even though it doesn't really matter that much i got my championship uh long sleeve shirt last night chris we uh our co-ed fours uh beach volleyball league concluded we had our semifinals and our finals two tough matches and we won so we got our championship shirts just to be good. clear i wasn't poo-pooing championship shirts I, I won some intramural championship shirts at maryland and there are prize possessions yeah but i think it just means a little bit less in a sort of college setting with these you know high-end athletes right yeah they're not they're, us you know who they can, can just hold on to these. they should give them t-shirts like, okay they can give them t-shirts like that's all we get is you know for <laughs> like t- well we get like a gift card to the bar that we go to and that's about it but um yeah but no that yeah i don't think you should get rings 
T-shirts are something fine, but I don't, I don't know if you're like sporting, like if you get waxed in the championship game, you're sporting like Pac-12 South champs, baby. You know, like, uh, you know, that fans, that really, and yeah, <laughs> fans hated that because Clay Hilton would talk about the championships when it was more about like winning the division. And this would sort of focus you into winning the conference. Like that's what, you know, a conference championship, not a division of the conference championship. So I think that would have maybe saved Clay Helton a little bit of grief because uh, he wouldn't be saying the same things, most likely. The only thing it changes is when these athletes, these Pac-12 athletes are old men and they have their own children and they're telling stories of their <laughs> athletic days. They can't say, you know, I won three Pac-12 North championships in my day. No, you can't say that. You can't say that. <laughs> nope. You can't say that. You can say you pay, played for three Pac-12 titles, but you can't say you won a Pac-12 North championship or yeah. whatever. All right. Uh, anything else in that? We can move on. No, I, I think we're good to to move on. Like they're moving on from divisions. Moving on. Uh, there's. I'm going to put a graphic up here about the sure. the best coaches in college football. So CBS Sports, two four seven Sports. They uh, they voted on this, and these are the best coaches. Chris, te- we wanted to test me on the podcast. Uh, but I wanted but to put the, I had to put the graphic together, so I needed to. And he didn't want to do a blindfolded, so I, I couldn't to. I couldn't talk him into it. So he had to to look at it. So we just we had him guess off air the top ten, right? You Which did I got pretty good. I got you nine did. of the ten, I think. Yeah, I, and I, you got pretty much all of them in their respective spots, except for like two. You had Ryan Day at number five, and Jimbo is number five. I don't think you like that having uh, Jimbo above Ryan Day. Um, and then you could, you could say you're embarrassing one of who you missed. I, I totally missed Brian Kelly. So <laughs> I was thinking of, I was, when I was going through my head, I was just thinking of the team, but you didn't even think of Notre Dame. No, I mean, <laughs> it's power five, but like, and they didn't include, um, what's it called? I don't think they have Cincinnati in here yet. So Luke fickle wouldn't be in here. Like he would be top 10, uh, otherwise. And it's sort of like, so Dabo's won ch- titles, but like they've fallen off, like, I don't know if I would have Dabo three, and I don't. To be honest, I don't know if I would Lincoln four. Like I think Ryan Day would be above Lincoln Riley for me. Um, Is he top five though? I think Ryan Day would be top five. Like, no, 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 Lincoln. He, yeah, I mean that's tough because he's he's been the head coach for five years. Uh, I mean, I guess around the same amount as Day. Um, you know, he did win four of five uh, conference ch- titles. I mean, I think those guys are kind of similar to me. The question is, like, where does Dabo go? Because he's done more. He's won titles. He's got a resume. Yeah. But, like, where, like today, he's someone that's not adapting well to, uh, you know, the transfer portal. He's, you know. NIL. And I, so, like, I, in the, you know, why Nick Saban is number one is no matter what's changed, you know, it feels like. Your town got hit by a hurricane, and it doesn't matter. He just he weathers every storm. He makes every change. He's like, ah, we're de- we're defense and run game. It's like everyone's throwing the ball all over the place. All right, we'll do that. Okay, now we have a bunch of first round uh, quarterbacks and and wide receivers and stuff. Like completely change how he's thought about offense. Um, completely change with you know where, the way they're doing the transfer portal, how they recruit. All of, I mean, every time he loses, I mean. His assistant is number two on the list, you know? <laughs> so, like, yeah, like, he's adapted to everything. And to to keep that dynasty going with as much as the college football landscape's changed, I think that's why he's clear, clear, clear. Number one, the problem with Sweeney is, like, you know, it doesn't look like he's adapting. And I could see him falling off fairly quickly. So, 
And if I'm going forward, I think I would rather have Jimbo, the way they recruited you know, Ryan Day or Lincoln Riley, almost ahead of Dabo at this point. Like if you're just like start a team in 2022, but you got to have some resume component to this. So that's why I, that's three. He's three based on resume more than projection. I would mm-hmm. say. What would you say? Yeah, I, I see your 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 point because the Clemson shine is has fallen off a little bit, you know, when they were kind of beating uh, beating on Alabama, win playoff games, and, you know, the only team that could really take down Alabama. And, yeah, that's sort of uh, been diminished a little bit. But like you said, he's got rings, though, Ryan. He's got he's got a program going over there. They recruit really well. Recruiting has fallen off a little bit. Um, but I also think it, it helps that he plays in sort of a non, like, murderer's row uh, uh, conference like the ACC. So he's going to sure, be able yeah. to put together, you know, double digit win seasons more so than, you know, uh, you know, Kirby is going to have a much tougher, tougher time in the SEC or Jimbo in the SEC and, and schools like that. So he does have the benefit of playing in a weaker conference, just like Lincoln is going to get the benefit of playing in a weaker conference like the Pac-12 moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and the SEC was, they're stronger than it used to be. Like when they had Maryland, like they weren't very strong. But I think they got a lot stronger since uh, getting rid of Maryland. Well, well, that, uh, I, I, I heard <laughs> what you said and it didn't register as uh, quickly as uh, it should have. I didn't jump on that. So I'll let, you're, you got that one by me. Uh, I'll you give that one by you. So, so, you know, obviously USC plays. They used to play Brian Kelly. Um, now he's at LSU. Kyle Whittingham, I think he you know, deserves to be there. Harbaugh, just based on the, you know, his last season, last season, up. and like you know what he did at Stanford is crazy. Uh, Mike Gundy, I think I surprised surprised you that I got him. Yeah, you 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 didn't even say his name. You said mullet. I said like yeah, mullet's got to be on there. Yeah, mullet's on there. Uh, you know, Dave Aranda's only been the head coach for three years. He's moving up. Campbell, like both those guys. You know, USC, USC was pursued, kind of So it's like Kurt Ferentz, it's like funny, and Paul Chris, like <laughs> Iowa, like he's just been around there forever. James Franklin being 15, uh, I'm not sure about that. Stoops is sort of just like happy with his job. He never has to do anything more than go like eight and four. Never going to win anything, but he just, you know, they recruit pretty well. And they keep moving forward. Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, that's kind of a weird one. I thought Kiffin would be higher than what he is. I thought but, Kiffin should should have been higher. At least top 15, I yeah. thought. Uh, but Cristobal, that's still, I think that's still questionable. And then Mac Brown, you know, he's done some really good things at North Carolina. Um, has a resume, an old resume, but he's got a resume. But yeah, I mean, yes. he's got a national title too, so like that, that certainly helps. But there's there's guys like if you were starting a new, you know, if you're if you're making a hire, like do you want to bring in Dave Aranda? Do you want to bring in Dabo Sweeney? You know, there's questions that you would want to uh, want to bring in there. But anyway, and that was interesting. The, I just want to say this is the fifth consecutive time for this list that Lincoln has been in the top ten. Okay, and. The only time he was outside of the top 10 was when he debuted uh, in 2018 at number 15. So been top 20 his whole life. All he knows is the top 20. uh, And and for those of you out there that love to just pile on and say, where's Clay Helton? Well, he's not a power five anymore. (laughs) So he's not eligible to make the list. A lot of Clay Helton on the show. (laughs) I don't think a lot of of people are going to like this show. Uh, not too much. I don't know. We we talk a little bit. Um, okay. So we want to talk about a couple of transfers in. We're gonna talk about scholarships overall and stuff too, because some of that stuff is changing. Uh, but first one, and I got to um talk with him a little bit. So he officially visited. What is it now? Two weekends ago. Did you say his name? Cooper Lovelace. I didn't hear you say. I didn't know. I didn't say it. I was I was like trying to like 
build up. Um, Cooper Lovelace took an official visit. This is a picture of him uh, on that official visit down at the beach, um, having a good time. You know, like it's just just a enjoy can- a Kansas boy, Kansas just, boy just out en- here, just enjoying the SoCal life. So somehow, like we, I get connected through a reporter that I had known for a while, and he had been working with uh, with Cooper, and I guess Cooper liked this. You know, my friend that's the reporter and my reporter kind of recommended me. And so Cooper was like, boom, on it. And so we were talking quite a bit. His story is great as far as like, you know, Chris, you posted the when his official visit, the video of him like doing the splits and like standing on. No, so he's 6'5", 320 pounds, yeah. grabbing his leg and putting up like next to his ear like a ballerina. And you're like, what? Um, he didn't start playing football until his senior year at high school. Um, so he's like, yeah, imagine getting recruited like in December of your senior year of high school. Like it's not going to happen. With uh, no tape. Yeah. No tape, nothing going on. Um, you know, does a good job at Butler community college in Kansas. You know, he's getting his second associate degree and he was taking, it was funny. We were talking, I think we were texting at like one and I don't even, I told you this, Chris, like one in the morning, we're like texting and he's like, okay, I gotta go to bed. I got a final in the morning. I was like, what? He told me something similar. He was like, I got to go to bed. We were texting at like, we were DMing at like one in the morning when I was asking about his offer. And he was like, okay, I'm having a good time with this conversation, but it's 1 a.m. I got school tomorrow. Florida coaches are coming by to watch me. I got to go to bed. Yeah. Um, and it's it just it's just nuts. He's, his phone, he had hundreds of messages. So like he gets into the portal and it's a big deal. And, you know, we've talked about this before. There just wasn't as many high-profile, like, surefire starting kind of Power 5 players that you thought were being the portal. Coaches, I think, are doing a much better job of recruiting their own players. So there wasn't that, uh, the, you know, the list of, like, star offensive tackles was not very long. He looked like he had the potential to be one of those. He looked like he had the potential to be a star. And so he's, I mean, his phone was blowing up. So I, I almost felt guilty. So he's like all these coaches, he's like, and he wasn't trying to be like conceited. He was just like, these are head coaches and offensive coordinators just calling me, calling me, you know, texting me. And, uh, I almost felt weird, like talking to him. Like I'm, I'm at dinner with my mom is visiting and we're like, I set this up. I'm like, okay. And, uh, so it was really nice. He gave me a, a really long interview. I think we talked for like 25 minutes. Um, so many good things. I gave some quotes to Chris for your story. I put up a, a VIP story over at uscfootball.com. Make sure you check it out. Um, if you're not a subscriber, you can subscribe for a month uh, for a for dollar. So go over there and do that. We put some quotes in the war room too. I mean, he just said so much and uh, nasty wants to, you know, he's like, he comes on his official visit and, you know, there's normally all the pomp and circumstance stuff. And he's like, I just want to do football. Like whatever you you guys want me to do, we can do it. But like, don't do anything extra for me. I want to sit here and watch film and talk football and whiteboard things. And the fans, I mean, everyone loved it on the site, Chris. Like they love the story. His, I mean, he just seems like a kid that you're just going to want to root for. He was really excited to come to Los Angeles and, you know, he had committed and then, you know, Take you know, took the last final and basically had to like pack up his stuff yeah. and move to Los Angeles. And then I think they're starting classes were Wednesday, starting today. Today, I believe, the 18th. So he was like, Yeah, I gotta get to LA and move in and uh and start classes, start your summer classes and stuff. So uh it's you know, for for not seeing a lot of great 
offensive tackle, offensive line, you know, talent in the portal. He seemed like someone that could be a diamond in the rough with a lot of upside that maybe, you know, wasn't the, wasn't a highly ranked kid out of high school because he didn't start playing until his senior year. But I think USC's got a good one in Cooper Lovelace. Yeah, that's a win. And we're going to, me and Gerard are going to break him down a little bit more in our composite two-star recruit podcast. So check that out when we break down all the recruits that, that committed to USC. But yeah, I think Cooper's a big win for for reasons that you said. You know, there wasn't a lot of sort of top end offensive line talent that entered the portal that you know could be come in right away and compete for a day one starting job, and you know that that's a little bit of a blowback, especially when USC did not you know wasn't able to get a five star guy like Josh Connerly. You know, lost out to Oregon, so it became vital to get someone in that could help out with the depth, and I think Cooper does that in a big way especially as as a guy who can play tackle if you need him at six foot five 320 but could also be an interior offensive lineman which seemed to be his what he mainly played at butler obviously you worry about maybe the competition uh level at the the juco level you know making the jump to pack to power five pack 12 or whatever i think it's gonna take a little bit of time but he's absolutely a guy i think because he does have experience Let's let's get that straight. He does have experience at a college level. That's more so than a guy that USC has on the two deep right now in terms of the the backups. You know, especially with the you know Gino Quinones at that guard spot, Maximus Gibbs at the guard spot playing offensive line. He could come in right away and be one of the backups to to the guards, which I which I've mentioned several times on this podcast, which I've written about ad nauseum, is that they need more interior line depth, and Cooper fills that hole immensely and again he could play tackle if something needs to be but I think right now his starting spot where he's going to start out is the interior and you know he's a guy who's probably going to take a little bit of time to get up to speed but he's he's raw but man he just wants to learn as you all he wants to do is talk football all he wants to do is get better you had that great picture you posted in your story about him and Josh Henson working on offensive line technique where they're at brunch on the beach I, I assume like waiting for their table or something I don't know but it's a great picture and that just shows the drive for him to to be better so I'm not worried about him in terms of like what his development's going to be I think he's going to be a good player at USC I think you know 2023 is going to be his shot to be a starter in this lineup and you never know injuries happen in this game injuries happen on offensive line I wouldn't be surprised if you know he needed to step in at some point during the season, and he filled in well. So you're hoping he gets on that too deep, gets some time and some blowouts, gets some of those reps. I believe yeah. he has three years of eligibility, so you have a lot of time to mold this guy. And I just think it's a good pickup. It's going to be a death piece, but obviously a guy who can be a starter in the future. Yeah, he says he has three years to play three, and uh, he kind of got offended when he saw some people getting offers, and he's like, "Hey, man, like," and he he felt like that he was like this diamond where like I've he's got you know, a couple years experience playing in college. Plus yeah. he has three years of eligibility left and he's, and he's athletic and he, you know, and like you said, he can play inside, he can play outside. He's like fast enough uh, to play tackle, but he's big enough to play guard. And you know, the, the Josh Henson, this isn't the picture. I, I'm sorry. I didn't add it to the system. So if you're watching on YouTube, I don't have the, the other picture, but you can check it out in the story. But the other picture with Josh Henson is like, like Chris said at brunch, He's like, yeah, we wanted to work on some technique stuff. So they're like literally in a restaurant and, you know, he's bending over like, you know, and showing like hand plays and stuff. So all he wants to do is talk about football. He just wants to win and that's it. And the fans just, it was just kind of a breath, breath of fresh air because they wanted, oh, 
we're going to talk about Jordan Addison in a minute, but like, oh, you know, what, can he play on the offensive line? Well, here's an offensive lineman. And uh, all he is nasty. He just wants to get in there and mix it up. And, uh, yeah, I think you guys will like the stories if you haven't uh, seen them yet over on uscfootball.com. And he can do splits, Ryan. How many offensive linemen can do splits? He can, you know, pull that leg over. Yeah, you, I've got, see, that's good. You're doing the visual. I'm pretty on flexible. I, we were talking about it because I saw that video on Twitter like three months ago or something like that. And I was just going through his page and I saw that video. I was like, that's him. That's the kid. <laughs> so I, I sent him that. I was like, that's you. I didn't know that was you. I'm going to recreate this. Yeah. I didn't intend to recreate it when he committed. I didn't say that, but that ended up being what it was. So I didn't download the video for the YouTube show either, but Chris gave a little, uh, a nice visual uh, presentation. I mean, you can look on his uh, Twitter page and, and see that and stuff. And it's funny. He had mentioned to me like, and again, I think he said some funny things that weren't like conceited at all, but he was just sort of like, that's a hard one not to watch more than like just once, right? I'm like, you're right. Like you have to like I have to I have to watch that again. Like as soon as you see it, like I gotta watch that again because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like some of the what was the um was it the uh Alabama like offensive tackle that was doing all these crazy things? Evan Neal. Yeah, Evan Neal. Yeah. You just kind of have to watch that, like, how is a guy that big doing stuff? He's like three twenty or something, but looks like two fifty or something. It's yeah. ridiculous. Um but Cooper, you know, Lovelace a great one there. Uh, another pickup uh, from the transfer portal more recent, uh, but also he took the same official visit the same weekend that Lovelace did, uh, Washington uh, cornerback uh, Jacoby Covington. Um, so I've got a picture of up here up on the YouTube page. We got him in a throne too, Chris. What's uh, What do USC fans need to know about Covington? Yeah, another sort of good pickup for this defense. As you can see, USC has been hitting defense, defense, defense since spring camp ended. We saw in spring camp how thin that quarterback room was pretty, pretty, that looked at the end of the season. You know, they do have a little bit of help coming. You know, Damani should be a lot healthier in the summer. Josh Jackson should be a lot healthier. They got Fabian Ross coming in, the other four-star freshman signee. But they still need a little bit more depth. Jacoby Covington, you know, six foot one guy coming out who can probably play safety. I feel like he's going to be a cornerback. That's where they kind of need him the most. You know, they got Zion Branch coming. You know, you got more safety depth coming that in that in that regard. So he's just a guy who's gonna be able to come in, probably compete for that other starting job outside of Makai Blackman, assuming he's healthy with the foot. I think it's a good pickup. Just it bolsters the depth, pushes some guys down, more competition there. You know, he doesn't have a ton of experience. Most of it was on special teams. I think he had like five tackles and a sack last year. Doesn't have any starts. So he is young. So he's not really bringing a lot of, obviously, there's not a lot of experience there. But he is an older guy. You know, he's been in a college program before. He knows what to do, knows how to handle himself, knows how to carry himself. So it's just another like sort of older guy, if you will, in the program. Just just, just to make it a little bit more uh, experience uh, in that room. Just another voice you know, to, to go with Blackman as a guy who's gone through the college ranks before. But again, not a lot of playing time, but I feel like he is a guy who could at least compete for the starting job and, you know, possibly be a backup if need, if yeah, I need think, be. I think he's technically like a redshirt freshman, but mm-hmm. he came in there, what, 20? He didn't 20? play in 2020. Yeah. Played like or he four play, games. Or like, yeah, he, he got limited time in 2020, played in... Like, I think four games in 21. I think he so. played in all the games in... Uh, 2021, but mostly special teams. So he does have some experience, but you know he's not a guy who has like six starts to his name or anything like that. So he fits in that room in terms of being a talented guy who's a former four-star prospect, but not a lot of experience. So it's going to be working in there. But 
Again, like a guy who can come in and compete for that starting job opposite of Blackman. Okay, I need to I need to check on that on our scholarship chart because I think he played defensively in four games. But if he played in every game in special teams, then he'd be a he'd be a true sophomore and not a redshirt freshman. So I need to, I need to check on that for him. But he you know if you remember Washington had a really really good secondary, best in the Pac-12 probably, and then you know one of the best in the country. So for uh, Covington, you know, it was it wasn't like okay, well he wasn't that good. They just he seemed to be like an heir apparent, like he was going to be moving in and playing a lot more, uh, a much bigger role this season. Now he comes over to USC. You know, definitely got some game experience. He's a more experienced college player that, you know, pretty highly ranked. Seems like he's coming into his own and uh, will definitely add some depth where USC was very thin, like Chris, Chris mentioned um, in the spring. All right. Did you look him up or something or did he play or do you know? I, I don't think, I think Washington got rid of him on the, but he had defensive stats, I think, in four games, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll we'll double check on that to make sure. So he's either going to be yeah. Don't quote me on him playing in every game. Well, it, it's, last it's recorded, season. so it's not only quoted, but you actually are on tape. No one's gonna no one's gonna listen to this in three years. It, it'll well, it'll it'll the time will pass. Okay, the time will pass. And we'll see. But he's you know he's a couple years in college football, and it's it's definitely weird. You know, yeah, twelve games in 2021. Oh, he did. Okay, so I need to. I'll update. So I'm not him. crazy. So never, quote me. Quote me. Yeah, I was right. So I, he will be a true sophomore. Then he will not be a redshirt freshman. So I'll fix that on go. the scholarship chart. There so you go. Good, that, hey, you know we're doing a little. I won this we're, round. We're doing a little. No, we're <laughs> working it out, which is good. Um, Chris said. So the focus on the defense makes sense because USC's offense is probably going to be pretty good. In 2022, where were the concerns? Are the concerns, if you're going to say, hey, why does USC not win the division? You know, no, doesn't matter the division anymore. Why is USC not going to be in the title game? Probably going to be because of deficiency on the defensive side of the ball. So it looks like they're addressing that in the portal. But if you can go out and get a major college football award winner, you know, position that you're pretty deep at, at receiver, they, I think they feel pretty good of where they are. Already brought in three transfers. If you can get a guy like Jordan Addison, uh, I think you want to get him. And so it seemed like the talk was, you know, he was he was on USC's camp. He was at USC this past weekend, taking an official visit. He put, uh, and in an Instagram story, Chris, he took a picture from like Lincoln Riley's like pool, like overlooking the ocean and stuff like, you know, um, so that's pretty cool. Not Just, a bad recruiting tool. No, uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, he was in Texas. There was a lot of people in Texas that felt pretty confident um, about his visit there. I think Alabama's been a player, but sort of like one of those ones where, like, you know, they put a lot of dudes in the NFL. Um, do they need another receiver? You know, they did lose some guys. That one didn't seem – it seems like it would make sense. Like, if you're – I mean, if, if I'm, like, advising Jordan Addison – yeah, I mean, he's like, "Hey, I'm thinking about Alabama. Would you be?" I'd be like, "Yeah, that sounds great." Like he, they have a Heisman guy coming. Get the Heisman, back. like, uh, duh. You know, it makes sense. Um, Texas, you would. I'm guessing, like, they could probably put together some huge NIL package and stuff. Like, I think that's going to be a big part of what they're doing. Which USC, the NIL stuff would be more of being a star, a college star, and he's already won an award, so. Um, I think the LA thing for that might help more than like a collective, which USC doesn't really have going yet. But if you want to talk about lifestyle, USC is going to win that one going away. Even though Austin's great, you know, it, it, there's no comparison Tuscaloosa and LA, depending on what kind of, 
you know, some people would rather be in the country, which is fine. But I, I you know, a guy like Addison playing at Pittsburgh seems to make sense for the LA stuff. Uh, my guess is it's going to come down to to USC and Texas. I think there were Texas people that thought he was like going to go there for sure. My gut's always said he was going to end up at USC. Sort of like we we debated the Caleb Williams thing for a long time, and he ended up where you thought he was going to be. I'm kind of in the same boat on this one, Chris. I think Jordan Addison's going to end up at USC. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean that's still my feeling, and you know we've seen all the reports that have kind of trickled out over the last 24 hours that it's down to. USC and Texas. And I feel like if we're looking at that on paper, I feel like USC has a much better chance against Texas than it does against Alabama. I don't know if you feel similar in that in that regard. That's why I still feel pretty good about USC. Obviously, it's the transfer portal. It's the age of NIL. A lot of things could happen. But as we mentioned, USC has a ton of things working for it in, in their favor. Obviously, Caleb Williams, uh, he has a relationship with them. The DMV pipeline is going strong. You can't beat LA. I talked about this on the two-star composite with uh, Gerard. The DMV kids, the kids from Maryland, the kids from that area, they love LA. Is there something about it that you know draws them in? I think that is sort of a, a draw for them. And obviously, you got a high-powered offense in Lincoln Riley. You got a bunch of receivers. You're going to put up points in this Pac-12. And if you kind of look at it's interesting. If you look at USC and Texas, so Ryan, just pretend we're putting them up on a board. Okay. And board. they look very similar compared to, you know, last year in terms of Texas sucked, five and seven. <laughs> USC really sucked, four and eight. Both get high profile uh, QBs, the top two QBs in the portal. Quinn Ewers for Texas, Caleb Williams for USC. Both got... Nightlife uh, or city life, Austin, Texas, great city. Los Angeles, great city. Both lots of NIL opportunities. Texas, money out the ass. Yeah. USC, also money out the ass. Sort of these two new head coaches. You know, Lincoln Riley, obviously Stark isn't his first year, but he's, you know, a proven guy on offense. Lincoln Riley, proven guy on offense. So I feel like they match up in a lot of different ways. Um, And I look at it. And I'm just still picking USC in that regard when I look at it just because of the Caleb Williams connection and things like that. And USC seemed to be the the landing spot from the jump, you know, when Pete Thamel and Bruce Feldman were all initially tweeting about it when the first news sort of hit about it. So, you know, USC versus Alabama, that one's a little trickier. But USC versus Texas, I feel like I like USC a little bit more in that in that, in that head-to-head. I like it too. And I think with, uh, with Sark, I mean – if Sark was starting year one at Texas the same way that Lincoln Riley's starting and was able to remake the roster with the new transfer portal rules and and the way they, they've been able to do collectives like NIL stuff with the paying every offensive lineman, all whatever, all that stuff is going on. I think that would have helped. The problem that, you know, Sark did have a year and they blew a lot of games and they looked terrible. Like he's already like making the program now. You know, I think the rebuild is going to take a little bit longer. Lincoln Riley's doing some of the quick rebuild, uh, using all the advantages of the different rules. And we're going to talk about some other, you know, rules with the scholarships and stuff here in a minute. Um, and there's a lot of momentum for Lincoln Riley. And you just feel like, you know, Sark had success, but he was like Nick Saban's offensive coordinator when guys were, you know, winning awards and you're winning national championships. Like this was Lincoln Riley's offense that was, it wasn't, 
he wasn't part of, you know, someone else's program. He was running it yeah. and went to the playoff three times and won the conference four times in a row and had, you know, has three quarterbacks that are starters in the NFL right now and two Heisman winners and all that stuff. And that's attributed to Lincoln Riley, not because you were an assistant. You know, it took Kirby Smart years to kind of get out of Nick Saban's shadow, right? He even lost to him during the season and then beats him in the in the, the playoffs and win the championship. Uh, so I think you you have two, like, this could be a big turnaround year for Sark for sure, but there's more momentum on the USC side just because it's all brand new. And Sark already had his brand new year, and it mm-hmm. was, there was pretty, I mean, they blew a 28-7. It was ugly. Know, yeah, there was, was ugly. There was, you know, they lost to Kansas, you know, like, you know, if next year, if like Lincoln Riley loses to uh, Oregon State or Arizona or, or, oh my God, Arizona. Yeah, that's a better example. Arizona. Uh, although Arizona has like momentum, at like least. Like, I don't know what's going on with Kansas, but like you losing to Kansas, like that's that's pretty Arizona bad. State is probably the, the safer. I mean, USC lost to Stanford last year, who was three and eight. Like they were terrible. They were butt, like I'd like to say. I've said it many times. Stanford butt. They were very butt. And people got on me. And then they're three and three and nine. Sorry, not three and eight. Three and nine. You that's, double down on that. Good that's for but, you. Good I doubled down when they beat Oregon and USC, and I was still <laughs> correct. So, meh. I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyway, yes. So that would be like that thing. So Lincoln Riley hasn't had those losses to Kansas or blowing uh, 21 points. He was on the other side of that. I mean, he he beat Sark head to head in that one, right? So. Um, you didn't even think about that one that he had already, you know, he played Sark last year and, uh, you know, puts in Caleb Williams and boom, they uh, come back and win. That was crazy. And, they, you know, Kansas played Oklahoma tough too, but Caleb Williams had that one play where he handed the ball off or whatever and the running back gets stuffed and Caleb Williams takes the ball away from the running back and then runs in for a touchdown. I think it was for a touchdown. It was first down or touchdown. And you're like, the announcers are like, I've never seen that before. I've never seen anyone do that before. So. Um, just football. A lot of ties. A lot of ties, like the Lincoln Riley, Stark, Jordan Addison ties. It's an interesting um, on paper when you just line them up. It is. Uh, all right. So that was cool. Well, let's talk about. Oops, sorry about that. Uh, some scholarship uh, numbers and stuff. So I've updated the scholarship chart. Um, there haven't been any new departures. We talked about Elijah Winston. I think the last time we were on the show, um, you know, since uh, spring ended, yet. Uh, uh, Bryson Shaw from Ohio State, uh, Eric Gentry from Arizona State, Solomon Bird from Wyoming, uh, Cooper Lovelace from Butler, and then Jacoby Covington from Washington. Um, so those are the new guys that were in the portal. My count has 80. I did remove uh, Micah Kroom um, from the the uh, scholarship chart. He was the, I think, like seventh-year senior Safety, Chris. Um, but I, you know, I got word from a source that he's moved over to uh, financial aid, so he's got, you know, he's going to still be on scholarship. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to. I don't think he's going to be able to play anymore, though. So I'm assuming he's not going to be on the roster going forward. That'll be something we should watch for. But the other two guys, uh, Jake Smith and Dorian Hewitt, um, wide receiver Jake Smith and cornerback Dorian Hewitt, both of those guys uh, are no longer on the roster. They weren't in the roster in the spring. And then we, you know, what we've learned, um, you know, our understanding is that, and I, I think Stuart Mandel from The Athletic originally came out to USC. We talked to him when he was at, at practice, spring camp. He has a sit down with Lincoln Riley and some of the staff. 
and they reveal that compliance brought this rule. And and I think they did the athletic did another story recently where they brought it up again. Um, basically, when a new head coach takes over, you can cut guys. And basically said, oh, I don't want him on my roster anymore. I know we de- we said we would give him a four-year scholarship. So what you can do is say, you get to keep your scholarship, but you're no longer on. So if you want to stay at USC and get your degree, you will still be on financial aid. You still get all the benefits you would as a USC football player. You're just not on the roster anymore. So you're not going to play. And in the I think in Antonio's story or the athletic story, they mentioned like 10 guys uh, for doing this. I've counted three. I mentioned, you know, Hewitt, um, Smith, and then Micah Kroom looks like, you know, but he was a former walk-on. I, I think going back to walk-on status, the, I think that could work. But the fact that he's on A, that's probably, my guess is he's sort of like a late a late cut and he's going to uh, you know, stay on A and then not be, you know, on the roster anymore. I bet that's all, you know, that's kind of my guess of what's going on here. I don't see... I, I didn't see anyone else that would have fit, fit that. Basically, someone that was on the roster, that had eligibility left, that didn't go in the portal, and wasn't on the roster anymore. We found two. The article mentioned like up to 10. I don't think that's the case. But there could be some guys that were playing in the spring, and then they're removed from the roster going in the fall. And if they don't go in the portal, you know, potentially they have one year left, and they want to finish their USC degree. They stay on the scholarship. And then if they have eligibility left, they could transfer somewhere else after that, uh, after they get their degree. A lot of, I mean, this is a lot of speculation of stuff that's going on, trying to figure out what these numbers are. With off there, USC still could have added 10 players from, uh, you know, after the spring ball and kind of still fit in that 85 limit. Sorry, that was a whole mouthful there, Chris. Get, get your thoughts on it. We got to talk about some another rule change with the NCAA too, but thoughts on that with the, to being able to cut guys and where USC stands on scholarships. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting loophole, and I don't know if it's a loophole, but an interesting rule that, you know, based on what Lincoln Riley has been doing at USC, it, again, it's just like it's just like we were talking about earlier with the, the division scrapping just aligns perfectly for what USC is trying to do in 2022. It, this rule aligns perfectly with what Lincoln Riley needs to do at USC, which is overturn that roster. Gives them just a little bit more wiggle room to say, hey, these guys aren't really the guys I need to win this season. So, but it's also a way that we can, you know, still get them that education that they that they signed up for when they committed to USC football. But also it's sort of like a win-win, if you will. You, you, you're still able to try to get that USC degree, get that that world-class USC education, and then Lincoln Riley gets that spot that he can use for, you know, another player that he wants to bring in. It is interesting. It's something that obviously he's going to use to the fullest of advantages. And I'm just glad that you didn't put me on aid when we merged and you took over, <laughs> you know, fight on 24-7 sports and we kind of came together. I'm just glad that you didn't put me on aid, Ryan. That's all I'm, I'm thankful for. You were, you were, you were cut. You're, yeah, I weren't like, cut. I, I didn't. I don't know what even aid <laughs> looks like in this metaphor, but I'm just glad that you uh, you kept me around. Yeah, uh, no, you've been a you know, integral part. All right, that wasn't part. me fishing. I was just making a joke. You don't have to. You don't have to go into a spiel right now. I don't have to compliment you. No, you don't have to. You can insult me. Don't compliment. No, nah, that's fine. No, I'd rather. I'd rather compliment you. Just the fact that you're here right now, doing a video show, doing a podcast, doing two podcasts in a day. Could you? If I would ask you like a year ago or two years ago, like. 
Chris, you're going to be two, doing two podcasts in a day, probably like four hours of talking total. Uh, one of them shot on video. You'll be doing live videos. You would have probably crawled into a hole and yeah, and, re- and looked. At I would the have back crawled your- into this mini fridge over here and told you to kick me off <laughs> the second story. Just like you would have looked at your 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 the back of your calf and just go, man, that looks like a spot. Man, what what I happened? I could get a ten thousand ten k tattoo. What happened? Things have gone off the rails. Uh, but the other change, and it doesn't really impact USC this year, but, you know, whatever, going forward. Is it and, a breaking news thing? Uh, sure. Why not? We can do it. So the NCAA, uh, according, was it Bruce Feldman that tweeted this? Yeah. I think you saw this going in. Um, so for the next two years, uh, there's two limits when it comes to recruiting and scholarships and players on your team. There's the 85 limit. Uh, which is your total number of scholarships we were just talking about that USC could make some cuts to add some more. But there's also the limit of 25 per year, which became problematic when the transfer portal era became uh, a thing, right? So the transfer portal era means you could lose a whole bunch of players and you can't replace them because if you sign 21 kids out of high school and then there's a transfer portal, like say you lose 15 kids to the transfer portal, they don't say, oh, you can get those 15 back. Now, this year, the NCAA allowed uh, you could replace seven players. Um, and plus, you know, you can you can always use players from the year before if you didn't sign uh, enough players. So for class of 2023, USC didn't sign that many high school players. They can bring a bunch in. But those are the initial counters, that 25 limit. And that was a, a real problem, with, especially with the kind of free agency that's going on now. So that becomes like kind of an antiquated number, I would say. The 25. And so now, at least for the next two years, uh, there's not going to be a 25. It's just basically, you can sign a whole bunch of guys and keep them, as long as you keep your limit. Under uh, that 85. Under the 85. And I think we saw this in the SEC where, the, like, Alabama and, like, the teams would sign, like, 36 guys. And then just to see, and then once they get them in, they're like, ah, we really want 28. And they cut a bunch of them, you know. And so, they were. it was kind of to, pro- they wanted to use this to prohibit the over-signing stuff. But... Now with the transfer portal, you need to be able to sign more guys. You can't lose a whole bunch and then say we can't. You're not going to replace them, you know. And, and we saw this with USC and the sanctions. The 15 limit was more. I guess it was more of a handcuff than the 75 limit, because that was 15. You know, you could stay at 75. USC's when the, they had the sanctions, they were cut down to 85 to 75 scholarships total, which sucked. But then. The only being able to sign 15 really kind of limited what you could do. So they started blue shirting where you could count ahead. Um, that was a really limiting factor where, you know, 85 to 75, what are you talking about? Is it 15% less or something like that? What I don't know what the percentages are, but something. But from 25 to 15, that's a huge percentage, like what, 40% or something, 30 35%. That's a lot. You're, you're cutting a lot of what you could sign every year, and that's, you know, multiple years. So, I think this is a smart move. You can't the twenty five limit because people you could lose guys from the transfer portal. Like you could say me like Arizona State's losing, you know, thirty guys or something to the transfer portal, but you can't replace that many. Like that that doesn't make much sense. Are you saying I could theoretically, as a head coach at a whatever program, I could sign eighty five players? I you know I did not read what the <laughs> I'm assuming I just saw the tweet uh, or you saw the tweet and we were talking about it, but. Yeah, like so. If you as long start, as I, if you're gonna start a new program, so like you're, there's an expansion team or something, you know, uh, Chris Trevino State, Chris Trevino State, uh, you guys are the Sycamores, right? I assume that's what your name <laughs> yeah. would be. Um, I don't know. We'll make it up. It'd be the 
It had to be something Marylandy, right? Or like the crabs. The crabs. Uh, yeah, your first recruiting class just fighting crabs. 85, 85 guys to the fighting fighting crabs. crabs. Fighting right, sycamore, sycamore crabs. crabs. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful historic uh, <laughs> program, and we will win a national championship within the next five years. Uh, you know, Shotgun actually uh, pointed this out that this rule or this rule change not only lets you sign more people, but it also mean that coaches will cut a lot more people yeah. moving forward. So we're going to see a lot more cutting, a lot more signing. There's a there's the thing. There's a unintended consequences, right? Like you you can't hurt coaches by saying you're not allowed to sign more than 25 guys when you're losing that many in a transfer portal year. But there's also going to be some, it's going to hurt some kids that mm-hmm. get like, oh, they're going to sign and they basically get pushed out. And you're like, yeah, you're not going to play. Um, now, unless it's a new coach, you're not, you can't like legally cut them. They're going to be on a four-year scholarship, but you don't have to play them. You could, you know, they, basically you, you have a meeting and you're like, hey, you're not going to be playing. You should, uh, you know, entertain the portal and we've seen some guys just go into the portal and never be heard from again so unintended consequences is sort of there's going to be some some bad things that happen too but you have you had to do something because the way guys are leaving from the portal i do think it's going to make and we we i think we even saw it this year one of the things that you adapt quickly is recruit the hell out of your own roster right you have to make sure i thought usc was going to lose more dudes after the spring Guys would transfer out. We saw Elijah Winston, and that was it. Now, USC might lose some guys from the roster, but it's if it does, it's going to be because Lincoln Riley wanted them to go, you know, to retire, essentially, or or go on aid instead of being on the roster. Uh, I think it's a pretty good sign that no one, like, voluntarily left. I think you sort of got guys out, you know, most of the guys that they had cut or got, you know, that, that left – you know, they weren't going to be contributors or just the culture wasn't going to be what they wanted. Uh, it's good. You know, you made the changes, but it seems like the people that were at spring ball, Chris had bought it. And there were some guys that were sort of on the fence. I, I think we've all reached out to some of them and to their credit, like everyone seemed like they were fired up and ready to go. Like guys are like, ah, oh, he's probably not going to be around. Right. And you talk to them, they're like, nope, they're in, you know? And so I think that's a good sign that those players wanted to stay. Uh, the curious thing will be, the next time we see a roster like going into fall camp, who's not on that? Who's roster? not on that list? And most likely, it's not going to be because they wanted to leave. It was because like Lincoln Riley, they made a call. And some of it might be if they can get uh, a stud at that position mm-hmm. out of the portal, uh, then maybe they want to go with him instead of the guy that's currently on the roster. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a little cutthroat, Chris. But you're you're trying to. The- there's a lot of pressure on Lincoln Riley to win games right away. He seems to be doing everything possible to uh, reshape this roster that he calls the most unique in college football history uh, to make it so it can be a winning roster. Yeah, I mean, that's the nature of the business these these days with the portal and NIL. And if you're a college coach and you're running a program and you're sitting these kids down and you're telling them, hey, there's not there's not a lot of opportunity here. Suggest you maybe go in the portal, see greener pastures, send them to my university. The Sycamore Fighting Crabs, we need bodies. Send them my way. I'm looking for winners. I'm looking for short and stocky safeties. I'm looking for ball getters. I'm looking for it all. So, yeah, I mean, in a more serious note, yeah, I mean, that's the nature of the game. Everything's changing. You're going to see a lot of going and coming, going and coming uh, in the next couple of years. So, all right. So, for the Fighting Sycamore Crabs, uh, are we talking Sycamore like- Fighting, or is it Fighting Sycamore Crabs, or is it Sycamore Fighting Crabs? 
I'm not sure. I like gonna... fighting sycamore crabs. Yeah. Because what is a sycamore crab in yeah. this this bit? I'm not sure. Um, so okay. I would say, wh- how are you going to build out the support staff? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we saw like our own Barton Simmons get hired on by Vanderbilt. Like, who would you pluck away? Like, oh, I'm plucking Gerard. So you want Gerard? I'm, I'm gonna... taking Gerard. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're going to have to pay up. I don't know what my budget is at Christian University, but I'm spending a good mint on Gerard. I'm making him I'm making him just like my head of like player personnel scouting. I don't know how he is in terms of a people person. I don't think he's going to be like shaking hands and everything, but I just need him to be like you should you should go after this person. This kid is no good. All this right. kid is underrated. Would you try Dude, to hire kid- Keely away? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. I, I just want to get the whole gang back together. Nice. I think I could hire Shotgun, get him to move back. Well, I guess Christian Vineyard University isn't really based in Southern yeah, where, California. Where I, I mean, it has to be. If we're the if we're the fighting sycamore crabs, we have to be <laughs> on in Maryland. Oh, I don't think you're going to get Gerard there. Shotgun's already there. Yeah, Shotgun So I can get it. him on. I, I got to hire Shotgun. He could be... Team photographer slash analytics, whatever he'll chart everything. You know that I think that's just the the way to go. Two so two four seven recruiting analysts. Like, are you going to try to get like Brian Doan, who's out there in that area? Would you go after like Huffman or Biggins or Blair? Or I don't. Who? I don't think I could get any of the West Coast guys. Yeah. Um. I think Steve Wilfong. I could. I could maybe really? try to. Uh, right. He's like he's, a, he's like a super national guy. Or he's something, like right? in the middle, you know, and sort of that. Okay. I can make him. I only have to. I, the West Coast guy. I got to make him go all the Dude, way. Don't over. Don't already covers the deal. Yeah, I mean, right? uh, he'll he'll get a call you, from you don't me. Like don't. He'll, gonna... he'll get a call from me. I've never you... met Don. Oh, you I've never met Don. Yeah. Do you have you met Don? I uh, of course. Yeah, yeah you probably have like thirty stories about Don. I don't know. Like he used to be an LA Times guy. He was a West Coast guy. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So I've DM'd him a couple times, stalked him like that, but. Never met him in person. Can't believe you're dissing my man Dome. I haven't. <laughs> I didn't diss anybody. I'm gonna have to. I'll talk to him. I'll, I'll talk him down. Maybe at like, the next publisher meeting. About this. Maybe yeah. the next publisher was he at the publisher meeting we went to like four years ago? Uh, I think he probably was. I, I think he was a scout one. I think I ha- he was at a. Was he a scout? I think he was a scout. Yeah. I, I have know. no idea what you could point to anybody and I'd be like, oh, is that Brian Dome? I have no idea what it looks like. Yeah. No idea. Uh, not a clue. Kind of tallish white guy. Yeah, I think he covered UCLA. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll 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 track at the publishers meeting. It's like every guy at the publishers meeting, Ryan. <laughs> not really. Um, all right. Well, we'll no more about Chris Trevino University. Listen until later on. Finding Sigmore crabs. Finding Sigmore crabs. Okay. Why don't we uh, take a quick break and we're gonna come back and we'll Sweet. answer some questions. Back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on the uh, Parastel Podcast and Tunnel Vision on our YouTube channel. I put up the wrong graphic. I put Tunnel Vision will begin soon instead of we will return shortly. I was trying to do the graphics while we're on break. Uh, Not really much of a break when you're on the YouTube channel, but we have a commercial place on on the podcast. Um, all right, Chris, we have a voicemail. Okay. Would you like, should we start with that? Yeah, I, I, we always do that. Let's do it. All right, let's do a voicemail. Hi, th- um, hi this question is for um, Ryan and Chris. Uh, the question is, should we just list Solo as the starting nose guard, uh, edge rusher, defensive tackle, linebacker, outside linebacker, free safety, strong safety, corner. Because my real question is, if we just line up solo versus Pac-12 offenses, can we keep them under 14 points with just him? Eddie from Orange. Eddie. Well, I was going to put up the solo graphic, uh, but Chris was doing a, a good visual on our YouTube page, you know, putting a uh, counting number just, of players. I was just list, so list. I had to wait. Yeah, he was just listing us. I had to wait to put up the the picture. picture what a beautiful the... question, Eddie. Solomon Tuliapupu is solo, but there's two yeah. solos now. I know, I know what he's talking about, but there's two solos now. Yeah, technically, with but he's Solomon talking about Solomon Tuliapupu. What a beautiful question, and I guess I want to take this question literal. And if I line up, if I just clone solo, and put him at every position on the field, can I hold a defense or an offense to 14 points? I don't think so. <laughs> Here's why. Because while I love Solo, he cannot play safety. He cannot play cornerback. But the front, I think the front would be okay. You know, I got two solos in the middle, a linebacker. I got a solo off the edge. I got a solo DN. I got a solo D tackle. I got a solo nose tackle. That might be where my issue is on the front. But I think the front would be okay. But you got to get to the quarterback quick. To prevent those passes to my my solo secondary, which I don't think will be I don't think will be highly rated in the PFF. I don't think it's going to do well. Fourteen points, no. I think you could beat one team though. I think you could beat Arizona State with just <laughs> the all solo defense. Um, but what a great question because solo is sort of turned into like this funny meme on the P. There's this photo you can probably find it on Twitter somewhere, but it's like right. It's like they started. Uh, summer workouts and it's like some of the linebackers on the the little oh, intramural field yeah and he's all they're all in black and like someone just cropped it for solo and he looks big so now the joke is he can play any position on the field yeah it's, it's a great meme i love it it pops up all the time on the people peak. put it in their signatures or whatever on yeah. the on the peristyle you see it a bunch it's like um, why do we need this lineman we have solo and they'll just post that photo it's yeah. like 
We don't. We don't need the new. We don't need a defensive tackle. We have solo. So, great meme, great question, and that's my that's my run at answering that in a uh, serious manner. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, that's a tough one. Just when he was when he first came in, I think he'd have a better shot of being a back seven guy. Now that he's bigger, I, he's definitely. I mean, he can control. I think you could put him anywhere in the front seven, but I think in the secondary would be tougher. The one, uh, the one USC player. Like if you had to think about a college football player um, that you know that you could put in every position and and, win, sort of, and and like give yourself a best chance of winning, the one guy um, I think we had talked about this, and he's been a guest on the show. uh, Taylor Mays was the one, Mm. like, because he was the big safety, so he could play. I mean, he was fast enough to play corner. Obviously, played safety, but he was big enough that he could be any of those linebacker spots for sure. The question would be like, you know, you're not going to have like a defensive tackle that's 230 or whatever. But he was like the fact that he was still like 230 and could run and could be a corner because he could run. Then you're sort of like, okay, well, could you fit him in and, you know, just have like smaller guys along the front? Um, I mean, okay, he's not big, but he's still running a 4-3 or 4-2 something uh, at your offensive lineman. So you don't see that a lot. Um, so I, I think he was the one dude that I could think of that you could like make a whole defense out of and still probably be okay if you cloned 11 Taylor Mazes. Anyone, if I'm anywhere in college football or any, I don't know, NFL or where, that you think could uh, work. I'm just sort of, I'm looking at it strictly as a USC standpoint, but if I'm taking the question and altering it a little bit, what if you could take one player, but you can get them in terms of different body types over their careers? Okay. So, like, my example here is, like, Drake Jackson. Like, if I could take fresh uh, freshman year Drake Jackson when he was, like, 270, 265. Okay. Those are all my lines. I could take super skinny Drake Jackson, and I could make him my secondary. And I could take middle of the road, like, 250 Drake Jackson. I can make them those linebackers. I think if I'm doing it that way, that's my best argument. If I could take Drake Jackson, who literally – Played at like three different sizes during his time yeah. at USC. That that's my logical way of getting around your your question. I like that. What, how I thought he got down to two fifty. That was the skinny version. Was he sm- was he smaller? I thought than he that? was a little bit smaller than that. Okay, it's still like you know if it's a two hundred forty pound guy, you know I don't think his coverage skills were amazing. Like, sure, we, people but he's got, also we're, just a super athletic, very athletic dude. Yeah. So I think if we worked on it in practice, we could we could get by. Yeah, I think with Taylor, like, so if if I'm playing a, an all Drake Jackson, like, I'm just throwing the football. Like, I'm just throwing the football all the time, like, make him cover my dudes. Like, you can't do that if, if you Taylor have time. Mays. If you have time. Yeah. If you I mean, have time. I mean, I, I just can huck up balls and that it would be fine. You can't do that against Taylor Mays. The thing will be, could you run all over Taylor Mays? But, like, they're so fast. I think they could close in on the, you know, the run lanes and stuff. I think he'd still be your best bet, but I I uh, like I like I can't beat that one. I can't beat that one. It's so. a hard one to yeah. The Drake Jackson three different. So I, I should call, call Taylor right now and see like see, I'm yeah. sure he would say he's he's like some funny. You dude. should tweet. You should just tweet this question out or put it on the P and see what people. Oh well, all right, we'll do that. We'll tweet it out. Like, hey, what's uh, what's going on with that? Um, wait, we're already like hour and twelve in. How did this happen? Uh, we only okay. got a couple questions, so just, just yeah. run them through. We're good. Uh, Matt, so we have a text from Matt in Huntington Beach. 
For Ryan and Chris, if Pete Carroll left USC for Oklahoma, would USC fans be upset, as upset as Oklahoma fans with Lincoln Riley? Seems like they won't let it go. Matt in Huntington Beach. You're going to have to take the lead on this one. Okay. Because you were around. I was around. Um, I mean, fans were upset, but they still loved Pete Carroll, but that was going, you know, to the NFL. Right. Um, Because the sanctions hit, I think that would add a little bit of animosity. Mm -hmm. And USC had, you know, within four or five years had had beaten the crap out of Oklahoma. Uh, that's a hard one to picture him going to like an Oklahoma. I don't think you would see the sort of. Um, Are we factoring think, that Twitter was not a thing at that time? Twitter, yeah, if definitely we're wasn't a Twitter, thing. If we're assuming Twitter was the thing, but just the parastyle, like even on the message boards, we're seeing the Oklahoma fans kind of go and, and not letting it go. I feel like the USC fans, like LA fans, there would be initial like kind of pissed off at the beginning. But I don't see them like harboring this forever. Like right. this was more of like you just kind of move on and. Uh, oh, know. I'm upset. I'll just go to a concert now. Yeah, like I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go surf and then climb a mountain and uh, go skiing or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't think that would be not to this level where you're just not. It's, in some aspects, this is sort of like you're defending. USC fans wouldn't have to defend like USC or Los Angeles or like you're sort of defending like. Your way of life, if you're living in Oklahoma or, you know, like beautiful, it can be very beautiful. There's a lot of stuff, you know, going on as far as like what you want to do. If like, hey, I love hunting. I love fishing. It's just different. It's going to be a different lifestyle. Like you can't surf there. Right. But, you know, there's other stuff you can do. But some people will poo poo it and they'll get upset about like, hey, you know, you live in the sticks or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I think sometimes you're defending like the choice that you've made to be like, I like living with woods and not having a lot of people and traffic not being bad and cost of living, which is fine. Like when people make those choices, but obviously more people have made the choice to live at the coast because there's more people in Los Angeles County than like Oklahoma and Nebraska and Kansas and like all come, all those States combined. So I think sometimes I don't think LA people would be defending their way of life. Uh, I guess if that's fair, like they're not, they're not trying to say like, look, I live in a cool place. Like people know you live in a cool place. So you don't have to really fight over that. Mm-hmm. So that might be a little bit of a factor too. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you handled that with grace. Thanks. Uh, okay. We have our buddy Brent uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hey, Parastyle Podcast team. The question is for Ryan, the, Chris, the Ryan and Chris show. I don't know what it, I guess that's what we are. Uh, the question is, <laughs> what is going to be, as long as it's not the Chris and Ryan show, I'm just kidding. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it's going to be the overall performance with the Pac-12 this football season with Coach Riley at USC. Does the Pac-12 North seem pretty wide open, even though Oregon has a new coach? I know that USC would definitely have to get by Utah to win the conference. Love to hear your guys' thoughts. Also, P.S. I was laughing listening to the podcast version of Tunnel Vision of Chris getting his tattoo. That was hilarious. Fight on, and thanks, Brett in Knoxville. Uh, unfortunately, Brett, your your question became um, out of date by the time we read it because now USC can win the Pac-12 without going through Utah because they can make the championship game and the North doesn't matter. But your point of the North being wide open, I think is legit because I think it is wide open, but that opens up an opportunity for like USC if they're really good but just not good enough to beat Utah and Salt Lake City to win 
you know, they don't have to win the division anymore. They just have to be the, be the second best team. And if it's, if it's wide open in the North, meaning there's a bunch of teams with two and three conference losses, that gives USC the opportunity it would need. So kind of a second chance. Like you win the South, whatever, you're probably, you're, you're going to be in the championship. If, if USC is the best team in the South this year, they're better than Utah because they beat Utah. They're going to be in the title game. But if they're second in, in what we know is the South to Utah, they still have a chance to be in the title game now because I think the North could be wide open and have, you know, or we've seen Oregon State last year, you know, beat Utah at home and then lose to crappy teams on the road. Uh, they weren't very good away from Corvallis, but if you had to go to Corvallis like Utah did, um, they, they won all their games there. So, yeah, I think that kind of parity in the North would be a good opportunity for USC if it's sort of like a two-team race in the South. I think overall the performance of the conference is going to look better, a lot better than it did last year. You know, you just have, because you had, you know, obviously USC being dumpster fire, they're going to be a lot better. Utah stacked, loaded, they're going to be, you know, one of the top teams in the West. Oregon still has a talented roster. We'll see what they can do. I think Arizona could be a sneaky little good team, maybe make a bowl game with all that momentum. So I think just overall, the the overall performance of the Pac-12 will be better than it was in 2021. That being, there will be a lot more tension on USC and the Pac-12 in general, and they will look better than they did last season, which isn't very hard to do. No, and that leads us, that's a great segue into our last question, Frank in Sacramento. He sent us a chart of USC's uh, records under Clay Helton, and I think he's brought up this point before, and he's saying, stop being shocked that USC is rated so high going into 2022. Had Helton not been fired, the Trojans would have gone 7-5 and five in 2021, Helton was never four and eight at USC. He stunk, and we're glad he's gone. But Riley will sleep to nine wins because he's not starting from that big of a hole, uh, Frank at Sacramento. So he's essentially saying that USC really wasn't a four and eight team just because they fired the coach. Uh, They're really more like a seven and five team. So going to nine and three isn't that big of a jump. Uh, where do you stand on that one, Chris? I would. I would. I would change that to if Drake London hadn't broken his ankle, they would have been a seven and five team. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like, think it was more on losing the one of the best players in the country was more detrimental than you know the Clay Helton firing. That's what I think they would have won. At least they would have at least gone to a bowl with uh, if London's with healthy. London's healthy. And unfortunately for USC, like that was basically their offense. Just throw it to Drake London. I mean, it was not a well coached team, and once you know. You fire Helton and everybody's sort of doing their own thing. But you had something reliable. You could throw the ball to Drake London and he would catch the ball and you would score points. That goes away and then you have to rely on like coaching and development and scheme. And yeah, that wasn't going to be a strong point. So it was more about, hey, do we got some stud that we can ride? You know, and that that's what USC fans have been upset the most about is that it's been more about... uh you know, it's it's more about the talent on the field than the, the coaching, coaching. Or yeah. the scheme or whatever. Yeah. So. Oh, and I just want to say thank you to Brett for uh, laughing, for enjoying that that live tattooing. I got yeah. some hate on that, so I appreciate we the did positive. Get some, we got some hate, but whatever. Like, you, I mean, we put ourselves out there. Not everyone's going to like everything we do. We try to give you guys a variety of shows. Uh, the Chris and Gerard, the two-star composite uh, recruit podcast has been uh, very, very well received. So that's great. Uh, those things go like two and a half hours if you guys listen to those. 
And Chris has got to record one of those next. So we should probably wrap this up because Chris has got a lot more talking to do. Sure. I need to get some water in me. I need to set up the call with Gerard. So I got a long afternoon ahead of me. You do. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everyone, uh, for tuning in. If you were tuning in on the Parasol podcast feed or on our YouTube channel, Inside Troy, we appreciate that as well. These are a lot of fun to do. Uh, hopefully you enjoy the video element of that. We try to put some graphics and pictures up to kind of make it. Uh, so you're not just staring at our faces the whole time as we talk, because that would be kind of boring. But I think this has been, uh, hopefully it's a fun one. For all you guys, it was fun for us. That is Chris Trevino sitting over there. I am Ryan Abraham sitting right here. We're in our studio in Redondo Beach, and we love talking about USC football. So appreciate you guys all uh, tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.